0: On va, prendre, on va commencer avec deux coupes de champagne parce qu'on est en train de d'exister <laughs> déjà, donc après on verra. Après on verra. Merci. 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 Ok. okay. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Congratulations on the
0: apartment. If you had both an apartment and entre murals, you would have gotten champagne. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the drinking culture episode of Presque Parisienne. I'm your co-host Dilara and cheers Kelly! Cheers! <laughs> today we're
1: recording in Le Bombis Café near Place Italy. It's fairly quiet but also very cozy actually.
0: Yeah yeah, I really like it here. And um, what are we drinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so me and Dilara today have decided to ourselves to a few glasses of champagne because today was the day that I became a property owner in nearly Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm delighted.
0: (laughs) So today we'll be talking about drinking culture. Uh, France is famously known for its wine, champagne and Le Devis, so it's kind of an obligation to do this episode. Uh, We just wanted to talk about the differences in drinking culture we've observed compared to where we come from. So, let's start off, Kelly, by the most known stereotype. Parisians are known for drinking wine in the terrasses of bistros and all, and for some cultures, this may look like they heavily consume alcohol. What's your take on this?
1: I think that this is the perception of specifically non-Europeans, mm. um, that the French love drinking all the time and that particular stereotype. Yep, for sure there is wine and alcohol culture, um, but in general, I find that the French are respectful and respectable drinkers. Bars are always full, terraces are always full, and people obviously do drink, but I think it is with considered moderation. On average, one in ten French people drink alcohol on a daily basis. In the early nineteen sixties, each French person consumed like an average of two hundred litres <laughs> of alcohol each year, compared to like less than eighty litres today. Oh, so wow. yeah. So let's talk some numbers. About ten percent of adults drinking daily is like the national average. Daily drinking is more common in the south of France but it is also reducing. The most sober region is the Ile de France where less than one in fourteen people drink daily.
0: That's where we are, and (laughs) I think we're just increasing this average right now as we
1: speak. (laughs) We are doing these figures no (laughs) favours. The rate of, quote, heavy alcoholisation is six or more glasses in one sitting. And Brittany is a region that's coming in with the highest rate of excessive drinking. Um, So like I said, in the early 1960s, the level of alcohol consumption in France was well above the levels in other European countries. Even following a downward trend over the last 50 years, it's still one of the countries with the highest level of alcohol consumption in the world.
0: Okay, I have to mention one quote unquote interesting fact here because you just said the alcohol consumption started dropping as of the 60s. So, up until 1956, children in France had wine in their school canteen. Did you know that? <laughs> As of 1956, they stopped serving wine for children under the age of 14, and then it was completely banned from schools as of 1981. And this was like a viral tweet that went around on the internet, so I had to like dig down to make sure it's legit source, and it is. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So I'm obviously not (laughs) saying that the kids were the main consumers. I think that's exactly what you're (laughs) saying. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not saying that's why the numbers <laughs> dropped. But as of the 60s, France started showing more around awareness around wine, wine consumption, basically. Like, okay, wine is a lovely beverage, we love drinking and take great pride in, but it still contains alcohol. And let's be more aware of this kind of a way of thinking. Yeah.
1: So I actually did see that there was a bit of confusion around the legal um, drinking age mm-hmm. here. It's 18. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but until March 2009, it was legal actually for 16-year-olds to drink fermented beverages such as beer and wine and cider, but not like hard liquor. Okay. Not like spirits. French teenagers kind of discovered the joys of binge drinking eventually. But back in the 90s, it was mostly American and British students, and uh, while the French kids were like a little bit more behaved. But in the past decade French kids have started turning up en masse every weekend in hospitals hmm. with alcohol poisoning or completely trashing public spaces like the Champs de Mars hmm. um, for celebrating like their back their baccalaureate. Oh
0: okay.
1: Um, so the authorities have cracked down a little bit more on that.
0: Okay. So, going back to the previous uh, resource where you got your numbers from, uh, again, we'll put that in the show notes as well, I think it's quite visual, actually, with maps and all, and it goes in depth with types of alcohol and regional differences. So, overall, do the French prefer wine over everything else? Yes, the data shows that. Mm -hmm. Although, the north and the east of the country, Consume the most beer, which doesn't surprise me as there's less sunshine up north so less vineyards. Mm. The South takes the lead on wine consumption, and West takes the lead on hard liquor consumption. Right. And yes, talking about drinking culture, I agree with you. Unless it's like a wild party, it is very much limited to like maximum two, three glasses per sitting, Mm -hmm. and people do know when to stop. Mm. And I really don't know any French person that drinks every day. Also, aside from that one casual glass of wine during lunch, I don't really see people started drink starting to drink here before Apero, So, mm-hmm. like, I think that's why we're like alone here right now mm-hmm. because yeah. it's around like uh, early time. Uh, but I think it's different in the UK, no?
1: Mm, okay, so before we go into that detail, like, I want to have a look at the UK that has this reputation for being like a boozy binge drinking culture mm-hmm. so statistics around drinking have been mm-hmm. rising and fallen in the uk for the last century and it's documented that the stats on alcohol consumption can actually be really unreliable because they're only coming from like three main sources one is the sales data one is taxation data and national surveys um, but it also changes in line with social attitudes with marketing COVID had a huge impact on it and legislation and none of those things are that easily measured Yeah. so we do know that alcohol consumption in the UK peaked in the 2000s according to a BBC article 2004 was peak booze yeah, um, I'll nice. stick a link to it in the show notes it's actually quite a nice article um, but it has been falling steadily mostly among young people okay. it's not really changed among older people at the same rate, so people between like the ages of 55 and 65 are more likely than anyone else to drink more and are least likely to not drink at all. And this may be because that it was a generation who drank heavily in the 1990s and the early 2000s and it's bringing those habits into middle
0: age. Okay. Uh, so, if we are to talk about like laws and regulations around alcohol advertising, uh, I was researching this and Kelly, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I found that there is a law called EVAN law that was implemented in France in 1991 and the only reason it exists is because of Scotland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I- How's, how's that? <laughs> okay, so uh, before the French alcohol advertising laws discriminated against foreign products and Scotch whisky producers took the government of France to the European Court of Justice. That's amazing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to pass this law to regulate alcohol advertisements And I think it's safe to say this is all the fault of Scotland. (laughs) Well, uh, this law obviously doesn't only include this prevention of discrimination, but it also includes um, limitations on sponsoring events, advertising on TV on certain hours, or things like you can put a photo of a glass of a wine in an advertisement, uh, but if a hand is holding that glass, then you cannot put it in. Uh, What I find interesting is that on each advertisement, they have to put this sentence uh, suggested by the Ministry of Health Uh, in English. Well, it's in French, but in English it says, abuse of alcohol is dangerous for your health. Alcohol should be consumed with moderation. Uh, The word moderation, I think, says a lot about the drinking culture here.
1: So that could be something that accounts for the difference in attitudes to drinking in the UK. In the UK, alcohol is marketed not just through TV, cinema and billboard ads, but also through product placement in TV shows, sponsorship of sport events, merchandise, placements within supermarkets, social media, and even on the packaging itself. Campaigners have lobbied for restrictions on this self-regulated advertising in the UK, but that's not in the interest of like big alcohol who would see decline in profits and a decline in influence. So it simply tells us to drink responsibly.
0: Okay. So where I come from, Turkey, we used to have more liberal regulations around alcohol advertisement, Uh, however now it's completely illegal, and yes, they say it is to prevent alcoholism, yada yada, but it's really for conservatism, as alcohol consumption is a sin in Islam. Although there's a big uh, wine and rakı culture in Turkey, drinking in meyhanes, which are like taverns, uh, is still a big part of the drinking culture, but it's becoming less and less affordable due to the taxes, they keep increasing on alcohol. So it's not that accessible anymore.
1: Hmm. So in our Life in Paris episode, we talked about after work culture. Hmm. Finishing work and having a few beers with colleagues is nothing unusual. Most bars in Paris will have a happy hour where a pint will be about like 2 euro cheaper than usual and a cocktail can be 5 or 6
0: euro as opposed to like 10 euro. Yeah, like as we mentioned before, wine is the most common alcoholic beverage that's consumed here and that's perhaps due to the large amount of uh, production, wine is really affordable. I mean this should make sense but when I first arrived here I was surprised that beer in most cases costs more than wine. And when you're eating out, if you order like a can of soda uh, or a small glass of wine, Mm -hmm. you'll be paying more or less the same price, which I found like super surprising. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's crazy. In Scotland, happy hours were banned in 2005. And And the legislation specifically stated that drink prices had to remain the same for 72 hours to stop binge drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. So this was to, like, prevent crime and disorder, you know, public safety, preventing public nuisance, protecting proven health, and, like, protecting children were Mm -hmm. the the three main aims of this ban. However, (laughs) some innovative publicans managed to find some loopholes, and they were able to sell cheap alcohol as they reduced the prices for a full 72 hours.
0: Ah, so it's not happy hour
1: anymore. Exactly. It it was was actually um, called Happy Days, and they spelt days with a Z. Okay... (laughs) Happy days of uh, a three-day bandera. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, this is kind of where I see a real difference Mm -mm. in the culture. Um, Even though the alcohol is cheaper here, people won't really overindulge, but my experience of after work drinks at home usually ended
0: up pretty drunken, pretty messy. So I obviously haven't lived in the UK, but I did visit a lot over the past decade, and I've been to, especially to London, like South London, Brixton, uh, places like bars around that, nightlife around that area. And what I've observed is really like the minute you enter a bar, it's like super wet on the carpet, like there's spilled beer everywhere. And It's like this, you go into a bubble of people speaking with each other as if like everybody knows each other. Like you would never see that here in Paris and it came to me as a shock because everybody felt super drunk, super friendly but it seemed like they were having a lot of
1: fun. Mm. Yeah, you know it's funny because it's something that I actually really miss about drinking Mm. in the UK is that very thing where everyone can all come together be drunk and yeah. everyone is like everyone's best friend you know and back at that time then I was like I was smoking as well so you go out in the smoking area and you could talk to anybody and you're oh. right this does not happen in this city no. and it's such a shame. Um, Merci
0: Oh, it's not fini, ça, y'a un petit. Ah, oula. Ah, oh, non. Ah, oui, quand même. Le mien a bien fini. Le vôtre est
1: bien fini. Merci. 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 <laughs> so, even though these nights can end in a really messy way, that that feeling of belonging and everyone's the same night out in the Community. same pub. Yeah, we're all standing on the same sticky carpet, you know. Is, is, this, this is fine. I I do genuinely miss that part of the culture, for sure.
0: This is also probably why though I'm a little bit traumatized by pop culture. Like I really cannot stand the smell of beer on carpets and like on counters anymore. It just like really impacts me. I'm so sorry to say this.
1: At no point did I say that I actually like the smell of beer on a carpet. like You know, and the feeling of it sticking to your shoes. But it is it's, it's just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know. It's just it, that's it. It will depend on what bar you go to. Yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. like not every bar is like that. Oh but, no,
0: like uh, you go at, you go
1: to Witherspoons anywhere at like eleven o'clock mm-hmm. on a Friday night, you're going to be stepping in some beer for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that I found common though is uh, smoking as a cultural social circle does exist in France as well. Like I'm still a smoker. And whenever you go outside in a bar and you're with smokers, people will speak with each other. That happens.
1: That's not my... That wasn't my experience of of, um, smoking in Paris. Oh, really? Yeah. I was watching a rugby game. This was years ago. I was watching a rugby game in Pigalle and I went outside and I was smoking next to this guy and I started talking to him. Uh And he looked at me like I had two heads and he was like and he literally just walked away from me and leaving Uh, leaving me standing there like uh, okay that was like super uh, awkward. I think Um, it was just a
0: dickhead I'm sorry. I
1: know I can't judge the whole city based on one guy but it really taught me a lesson to kind of say right okay don't speak unless spoken to you know. Oh
0: okay. I don't know maybe people thought as well when I was speaking to them that was weird but like somehow they were not dickheads so we ended (laughs) up in conversations. I don't know, it's also the thing about, about like, women's toilet, right? Like, mm-hmm. in clubs, like, uh-huh. when you're drunk, everybody's friend's there. So I guess, like, that's a social rule. I don't know. <laughs> where are we going
1: with this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting drunk and making friends, lifelong friends in the bathroom. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, getting drunk is really good fun, I think. I think that's where we're going with this. Yeah, I know. Is, is Maybe actually, we should stop. It's actually, like, you know... As much as we've talked about all the statistics around it and how dangerous it can be and how bad for health and all this, I'm not going to come across as like super preachy about this because I really enjoy drinking
0: and Mm socialising with my friends and having a lot of fun and it's fine, you know? There is no reason to be like um, stiff about this, I would say. No, we're not being judgmental at all. When you come from a culture where drinking alcohol is not a regular habit, trying to socialise within the Parisian life I, I confess that I have lost control or track of my drinking habits quite easily. This is something that I'm much more mindful of right now. It did take me some time there, so uh, like I was drinking just to keep a social life, basically. Yeah.
1: So another rule that I wanted to look at was the drink driving limit. Mm-hmm. Here in France it's 80 milligrams per 100 milligrams of blood is your limit, which is the same in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. But in Scotland, it's fifty milligrams per hundred milligrams oh, wow. in, in blood. Um, because,
0: like, what I know in France is when you drink a glass of wine or a glass of beer, that's the limit. So in Scotland, it's even like half a pint. Yes. But do they exist in Scotland? Half
1: pints? <laughs> <laughs> you watch the real estate. They, they exist. It's just really hard to get one. <laughs> um, there have been calls in the UK for this to like be the norm. Um, personally I have zero tolerance for drink driving so I'm actually glad that Scotland has such mm. strict rules around this so something I touched on briefly when we were recording um, during the summer in the park was the fact that here you're free to drink outdoors in public areas and that actually that was banned mm. in Glasgow as an anti-social behaviour bylaw well there was a petition raised in March this year to end the bylaw calling it anti-working class Hmm. Um, the the petition didn't work at all and the law will continue to be enforced until 2029 so nice try but no cigar I'm afraid (laughs) Um, officially there are laws and restrictions around drinking in public spaces in Paris Um, the 4pm to 7am law includes most of central Paris May through October everywhere along the Quay Basically, there's nowhere on the water or in parks anywhere within the city centre of Paris where you can drink alcohol after 4pm is like officially the the line. (laughs) Obviously though, no one cares, but the police can stop you or fine you. But Mm. the fact that this law is just ignored is like the the Frenchest thing ever.
0: Yeah, so we literally talked about this during our episodes and we didn't mention that it's illegal, so sorry about that. I feel like the way this law is being implemented is as long as you're not causing public disturbance, you're fine to drink in, fa- uh, in public spaces. But the minute you're disturbingly drunk in public, then you may expect to get in trouble.
1: Yeah, that's how I interpret it as well, Mm-mm.
0: yeah. Anyways, uh, since we're trying to be mindful of the existing laws around this, I guess we should also be maybe mindful of the fact that alcohol is a sensitive topic and heavy consumption is indeed related to alcoholism. Uh, There are many different definitions of alcoholism, so I won't get into that, but I think in conservative parts of the US or Turkey, regular consumption of alcohol is frowned upon and may be considered as alcoholism. So here, what is communicated by the Ministry of Health, and I can confirm most of the doctors I've seen advise this as well, the benchmark is maximum 10 glasses per week, and maximum two glasses per day per sitting, and not drinking every day.
1: I don't, I'm not sure I can do that maths. <laughs> ten, <laughs> 10 glasses,
0: maximum a week, two glasses a day, but not drinking every day. So if you can drink two glasses per day, five days, and don't drink two days, then like you're under the benchmark.
1: That still sounds quite unhealthy though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not gonna contradict the Ministry of Health here. <laughs>
1: That's fair enough. Okay,
0: <laughs> But again, like we're coming back to the moderation thing, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely, yeah. But the research from 2020 shows that 23.7% of the adult population in France consumes more than this benchmark. So a quarter of French population, we could say, okay. consumes more. And yet, in
1: saying that, um, most of the alcohol sold in the UK is bought by people who drink heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the very heaviest of drinkers who make just 4% of the population consume around 30% of all the alcohol that's sold in the UK. What? Mm. Oh, Mm. that's a
0: lot of alcohol.
1: Yeah. So it's been recently estimated that about a quarter of the profits made by the alcohol industry arise from these heavy drinkers.
0: Oh, wow. Like, I really don't want to sound judgmental, Mm. but I feel like that's a huge number.
1: Yeah, it's... uh, For me, that's a shocking stat. I find that. I do. And again, not being judgmental, but stats like that, you really are like... Wow, and also it's shows that these heavy drinkers might not be getting support to yeah. not be drinking that heavily you know because it's all tied up in the alcohol industry just getting profit you know yeah. uh, there's something really wrong there i yeah. think i agree so speaking of support and reducing mm-hmm. your alcohol intake there are a couple of initiatives that are coming more popular these days nice and um, so like dry january that's, that's the most obvious one. So that was um, created by alcoholchange.org.uk, mm-hmm. um, obviously it's exactly what it says, you don't drink for the whole month of January. Mm-hmm. Me I do that I do that quite often, in yeah. um, the last few years I've done dry January, it's just really nice just to detox after Christmas in yeah. New Year. The other one that was also found in the UK is One Year No Beer. Um, that's now across 138 countries and that's yeah. kind of more of a community initiative. Hmm. Um, So, you sign up to that and you you do lots of different activities with different people who are all Hmm. doing the same thing. For me, that feels like an awful big commitment one year, one year, but if you have the support behind you, then it's doable, you know.
0: I think involuntarily I did that because I don't drink beer. I don't like beer, so. Well, anyway, I don't want to mock these concepts, sorry. Please go. What what about
1: no wine feeling fine?
0: (laughs) No, I'm guilty. (laughs) Guilty as charged.
1: And then, finally, one of these that is sober October. So that's kind of more of a global movement, and it's linked to like raising money for cancer research and McMillan
0: Trust. Okay. I haven't heard of the last one, actually. Um, but these Anglo-Saxon concepts that you are talking about maybe don't fully exist in France, or maybe slowly making their way into the French culture via Parisian uh, life. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have been doing a few months a year where I don't drink at all. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say, it's a bit challenging, not because I cannot not drink, Mm -hmm. but because when you're socializing with uh, traditional French people, Mm -hmm. they really don't understand this detox concept. They're like, "Um, eh, wait, what? Like, (laughs) not even a glass? Mm -hmm. Uh, How can you eat this cheese without this like particular red wine, yada yada, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, what if I was an alcoholic and I wanted to keep that personal to myself? Yeah. Uh, It is so casual to them to have a glass of wine uh, to pair with whatever they're having. So for them it's really unusual Mm -hmm. to see someone who chooses not to drink. Mm -hmm. I'd say with the younger generation, like as of the millennials, this is easier. Uh, But with the older ones, the concept of detox or dry months is not that easy. But I have friends and colleagues who've been doing like dry January detox for even two weeks. Like this is becoming more and more common in France as well.
1: Yeah, certainly amongst younger people, younger than us. But you're Mm -hmm. right, the, the, the kind of older people like our friends' parents or something, you know, would always yeah. be like, are you sure you don't want a glass of wine? Why would you not? Yeah, I, I, I
0: mean, yeah. when you come to think about it, these people who are older than us, they had wine at school. <laughs> so.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot that. I forgot about the 50s. That's right. Yeah.
0: So I think for them it's normal.
1: <laughs> so while we're on the topic of alcoholism, just in case it is anyone who needs some resources, Alcoholics Anonymous does have a French and English-speaking meetings Mm -hmm. all over France. Um, I did some quick research and there are a lot of public centres that will help.
0: Yeah, health system is good here. Yeah. We talked back and forth about alcohol consumption habits in the UK, Turkey and France. And I don't want to say there's no problem with heavy consumption here in France. Uh, We mentioned numbers. There's uh, that minority of people that Mm -hmm. exist that is like a quarter of the population. Mm however i feel like the fact that wine is normalized it's not a taboo it's a part of daily cuisine and lifestyle and the way it's appreciated uh like even as a part of the heritage uh, french uh, patrimony Mm -hmm. i think that's the main difference of majority of the population in france not over indulging and drinking here Mm -hmm. but that's how i think that's why it's different here
1: Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. The cliche that we started with, or the stereotype at least that we started with, is actually partly true. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is a, a, a lot of drinking, as you as you just described. But wine is massively part of the culture mm-hmm. here. Um, but it's if you're a, if you're an outsider looking in, you're like, wow, like France drinks a lot. Mm-hmm. But you throw in then the the stats we have around moderation, it's it's still a stereotype, but at the same time, it's not quite. As bad as it would look to like a non-European.
0: Exactly. I I totally agree. So it's consumed a lot, but with moderation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, do we have a quote today? Yes. Okay. So I got an anonymous one from my old social media days archive.
1: (laughs) This is actually a meme. Oh no! Is this like? Did you put this on your MySpace page or something?
0: (laughs) no Facebook. (laughs) I did have a MySpace page as well. (laughs) So here we go. It's a photo of. wine bottle mm-hmm. do not let this bottle serve as an inspiration to call your ex in a pathetic attempt to get back together some very fine grapes have died in the making of this wine show some respect <laughs> do you like it i love that absolutely
1: um, although i have to say i I personally have never used alcohol as an excuse for my mistakes. I am perfectly capable of making mistakes and bad choices when I'm sober.
0: Thank you very much. Well, to you and your sober (laughs) mistakes and to mine as well. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, if you're drinking wine just to get drunk, and let's be honest, most of us have all been there. Yeah. Uh, I chose this meme because uh, wine, being the main source of alcohol and consumption here, I think it's really drunk for pleasure. Tasting the flavours of it, matching it with the right occasion and the meal and all, and not really to get wasted on it. Although, if you do, no shame.
1: (laughs) No judgement here.
0: (laughs) So that's it for this
1: episode of Presque Presienne. I hope this has been entertaining and informative hopefully yeah so as usual you can get us on Instagram to see our latest released episodes Uh, our email is in the show notes if you'd like to send us any comments or feedback as usual we would also love you to review and rate us Yes, please. Someone leaves a review. Come on. It will take you like two seconds. Leaves a little review. And we will see you for our next episode. Oh, hola. Cheers, everyone.
0: Santé. <laughs>